grew up in a Christian family. I grew up going to church. I went to a Church of England church. And it was a lively church as they went. And I would always have said, I, w- I was a Christian. I, w- I was a follower of Jesus. And, you know, as time's gone on, I've understood that in a deeper and, and a more real way, that Jesus is actually my friend and that I can walk with him and he, he wants to help change me and grow me and that it's a journey that I have to go on of becoming more like him. And, and I've understood this more through reading the Bible, through prayer, through listening to people, through, through seeing how other people have lived their life of following Jesus. But, you know, it can be hard sometimes following Jesus because we get things wrong. I, I get things wrong. I get things wrong with my kids. I get things wrong with my husband. And, and I think, oh, I wasn't really following Jesus when I did that. that. That didn't really point everyone around me to Jesus. You know, maybe there are times when, as Christians, we hurt one another, unintentionally maybe, but it happens. And we think, you know, how does that point people to Jesus? We miss it sometimes. But even when we don't point one another to Jesus, we should still, as individuals, choose to follow Jesus. Because Jesus has never let us down. Jesus has never failed us. And Jesus will never hurt you. So when other people do, when we do, we're not perfect. We'll get things wrong. We still need to look that I'm going to follow Jesus anyway. And do you know why? Because I know when I've been hurt and when I've, and, and things have gone wrong in my life. And you know, sometimes things just go wrong and they're just a big old mess. And life can be a big old mess, can't it? And we can think, Jesus, where are you in this? How can I follow you in this big mess? But I see somebody who I want to be like. And his name's Jesus Christ. I see someone who I want to share with others because he's changed my life. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so I choose to, when things are tough, and when things don't work out as I plan, I choose to still follow Jesus. Last week I spoke on new wine, and that sometimes we have to go through a crushing and a pressing, and it's in and through that that God brings new things out of us. He brings blessing out of us. He brings abundance out of us. And so I want to encourage you this morning, no matter where you're at, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, whether you're just exploring God and church and you're still wondering what you think about this all and wondering, do I want to follow Jesus? Maybe you're returning. Maybe you used to follow Jesus. Maybe you've considered it before, but you, you're thinking, this is something, I need to come back to this. There's something in it. And you know, we can say all of that and I was, and I was like, God, that's wonderful. But then I saw something new in following Jesus. And for some of you, you may just think, did you not get that? Did you not see that? But God awoken something in me. And I want to read to you from Matthew 16, verse 24 to 25. And it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And some of you may think, yeah, I've heard that before. For some of you, it may be something that you've not heard before from the Bible. 
not overly encouraging in some ways. It's like, yeah, let's follow Jesus. Give me a cross. Off I go. I'm really excited about this. Come on. And let's just invite people to be Christians. Pick up your cross. Come with us. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be joyous. Let's all go. Not really one of them scriptures, is it? But you know, when you look at it, when you look at verse 25, it talks about when you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. The word life in there is from the original Hebrew. The word is puhei. Who knew? And it means to breathe or to blow. And it's the word that was originally used in Genesis when God breathed into man and man came alive. So God is basically saying to, Jesus is saying to us in this, if you want to breathe life into yourself, you're just going to lose it because you've got none. There is no life that is going to come from anywhere else. There is no breath that is going to fill you and sustain you and give you everything you need apart from me. So that's why he says if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life will find it in him. So you've got to give up what you're hoping for and dreaming for and believing for and say, actually, all of these things, everything I'm grabbing at and hoping for and looking at and pulling at and thinking, ah, this is what I want for my life, lay it down. Lay down those old flames and allow him to breathe fresh into you the breath of God to bring that new life. Very often you hear this word being thrown around Christian circles called the divine exchange. Some of you will understand what that means. Some of you maybe not. And it is basically the process when we understand that the all-encompassing grace of God, we accept Jesus Christ by faith and believe that when he died on the cross and rose again, that we can partake in the exchange with him. So he died on the cross for our sins. So I give him my sins and he gives me life. I give him my sickness and he gives me healing. I give him my shame and he gives me something else in return. This is the divine exchange. This is what Jesus promised. So when he says, stop trying to grab at life yourself and leave it alone and come to me. He's actually saying the life you're grabbing at, leave it there. Come to me and I will give you something even better. As Christians, we're called to follow Jesus. If this morning you want to stand up and say, yeah, actually, I want to be a Christian, we're called to follow Jesus. But where's he been? If you're following someone, you want to know where they're going, don't you? Let's be honest. When you follow someone, you want to know, well, where have they been? Where have I got to go? What have I got to do? You start a new job, and if you take over from somebody else because they're moving somewhere else in the company, generally they'll walk with you a little while and explain, this is what you have to do. Follow what I do. This is what you do with this job. I always remember my dad saying to me, when I used to say to him, that my wonderful older sister, well, she told me to when I got in trouble. And my dad would always say, would you jump off a cliff if she told you to? Yes. You know, we choose where we go. 
We choose the life that we take. Are we following Jesus? Are we giving up what we think and following him? Or are we choosing to take our own life the way that we choose to take it? And when you look at that scripture in Matthew, you think, well, it's just about hardship and difficulties. And yes, life can be like that sometimes. And it can be difficult. And if you're having really difficult times in your life and you weren't here last week, can I encourage you, go and listen to last week's message. I really hope that it can help you. If you're really struggling this morning, there'll be people over there willing and ready to pray for you afterwards. We want to stand with you and encourage you through those difficult times. But this morning, I want to talk to you about something greater. And, you know, so often we can think, as Christians, and for those, this is for those of you who've been in church for a long time. Sometimes we can get caught up with hyped up Christianity, where you pretend that everything is okay. Are you all right? Yes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My leg fell off this week, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My dog's dead, but praise the Lord. And we just pretend that everything is okay. We go to church and we say, everything is wonderful. God is good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But when we turn around and go back home, it's hard and it's difficult. And we struggle. And then we struggle with the guilt of wondering why everyone else's life is hunky-dory and wonderful when actually ours is, well, why does ours look like this? And then I go to church and there's all these really happy people who've got wonderful lives and everything's fantastic and everything's wonderful. And we can get caught up in that. Well, let's be real this morning, shall we? Because I believe there is something in it, in believing for that divine exchange that God has got for us. For believing for something greater than where we're at. But there's also something in the reality of where we're at too. And it's only when we're honest about the reality of what's going on in our lives, the reality of the difficulties that we face, the reality of the sin that we live in, the reality of this is who I am, that we can actually suddenly go, okay, well, if that is the case then God's got something greater. So if I take my cross up and I follow him, I can go from this place of hardship and difficulty, whatever's going on, to this place of what Jesus offers me. And this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. That God wants to take us to a place of victory. You may not be living in a place of victory this morning, but you've got to be honest about your reality so you can go on that journey of victory with God. Because unless we're honest and say, this is where I am, this is the pit that I live in today, then we will never find ourselves able to begin the journey to where God wants to take us and the exchange that he wants to give us for where we find ourselves. Jim Rohn said this, your life does not get better by chance. It gets better by change. And the change this morning, the change is Jesus Christ. The change is what he did on the cross that day. The change is the fact that he rose from the dead and he now lives victorious, seated at the right hand of the Father. And we can now partake in the victory that he had. If we choose to be honest and say, this is where I am. I'm not just going to come and say everything's wonderful. I'm not just going to come and say praise the Lord, though we can do that. I'm going to come and be honest and say, God, this is where I'm at this morning. But I know 
that you have a path for me to tread. I know that in following you, I can go on a journey of victory. This morning, I want you to ask yourself, who or what are you following? Because if it's not Jesus, then you're going to go somewhere completely different. If you're following your peers, if you're following your past, if you're following hopes and dreams, some things, not bad things, but if you're not following Jesus in and through it, then you're going to end up down some path that could possibly be damaging. Some path that doesn't actually have Jesus in it. So just take a moment and think, who are you following? What are you following this morning? I don't know. Sometimes we can follow many things and we can feel quite confused then about which is the way forward. But this morning, Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come, let me breathe that breath of life into you. Let me blow it into you. Let me bring life to you this morning. And I've got three things that I believe, and there's many, many more. But three things I want to touch on this morning about following Jesus and where we can find ourselves, but where Jesus wants to take us to. So are you ready? Are you willing to journey with me on this this morning? And some of these you may think, no, I'm all right with that. I'm, I'm with Jesus on that. Some of them you may think, yeah, I, I need to journey. I need to do that journey of following Jesus from that place into the victory he has for me. So the first one is this. Following Jesus out of debt into abundance. And I stole this from Paul, what he did on Vision Sunday. So if you want to just go and listen to that, then you can. But I want to talk to you about the Al Shaddai, the almighty God, the all-sufficient one. And just because I'm not original at all, I'm just using the same scripture as well. So here we go. Genesis 17, 1 to 8 says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Al Shaddai, almighty God. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. And I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down to the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, it will be Abraham. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live, as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. You know, Paul did an amazing message on that and on the breath of God coming into Abraham. Can I encourage you? Go and listen to it. But when we look at the story of Abraham, he wasn't always in Canaan. He lived in another place with his family and God called him out of that place. Abraham left everything that he had 
He had a family. He had a home. He had a culture. He had a religion. He left everything that he had and he gained everything. You know, you may be in debt this morning. And it may not be a financial debt, though it may be. It may be emotional debt. It may be relational debt. You may feel in debt to religion. You may feel in debt to family and family members. You may feel indebted to your culture. You may feel indebted to your peers. People and circumstances because of something that you feel indebted to them, that you feel you can't leave something, that you feel you're stuck with something because you feel indebted to it and that you've got to give something back to it. God wants to release you today from the debts that you owe. And they don't just have to be financial debts. Sometimes it's a practical journey. Go and do the cap money course. That is the practical journey of practically releasing you from debt. But sometimes it's not practical. Sometimes breakthrough has got to come. Sometimes you've got to break out of that situation. Sometimes your mindset has got to change and shift. And you've got to think, actually, I'm no longer going to do things that way. Actually, I'm no longer going to be a slave to this relationship. Actually, I'm no longer going to allow the things of the past to hold me back and keep me there. I'm going to say no, no more. Jesus wants you to follow him from debt into abundance. And he took Abraham, where Abraham was like, yeah, I'm doing all right. But he took him to a place and promised him everything. God this morning wants to bring you from a place of debt where you struggle and things hold you down. And you feel like you owe something to somebody or something. And bring you to a place where there is abundance, there is space, there is blessing. There is more, and there is promise for more. See, God just doesn't say, here you go, here's everything. God gives you everything, and then he promises more. He promised more to Abraham. He promised more for his descendants. He promised kings. He promised victory. He promised bigger than Abraham would ever see in his lifetime. This morning, Jesus is calling you, follow me from debt into abundance and all it takes is a few steps of intentionality and to say I'm no longer going to live like that I'm no longer going to be a slave that's going to be held down but I'm going to be free because I'm going to follow Jesus the second thing is this following Jesus this one's a mouthful out of fear and shame into confidence and peace. Fear and shame are the biggest killers that hold us back and keep us down. Fear will constantly tell you to run and shame will constantly tell you to hold your head down. You are not worthy. You are not good enough. You are not good enough. You cannot. But God says there is a confidence to be had in him. God says there is peace. When fear comes and says, run, run, run from that, run from that person, run from that situation, run from your future, run from hope, run from it. God comes and says, there's peace. Don't be afraid. There's peace. And when peace comes, 
sanity returns. Because fear takes us on a journey of madness, of all sorts of things that will never happen and that will never be said and that will never occur. But fear says, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. But God says, no, make peace. Make peace. God wants to take you on that journey from fear and panic and anxiety God wants to take you on that journey where shame says, you are not good enough. You cannot do it. You are not fit. Look where you've come from. Look what you've done. And say to you, be confident in and through me. Because because of my blood, you are washed clean. Because of who I am, you are righteous. Because I love you, you can stand up, hold your head high and say, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Jesus faced the fear and he scorned the shame. And I read this scripture last week, Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. If you're running with perseverance, with your eyes fixed on Jesus, that means he's in front of you. That means he's already ran the race. That means he's waiting for you at the end saying, come on, come on son, come on daughter, come on. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when fear comes knocking at your door, when shame comes knocking and says, you can't do it, you're no good. When fear says, run away, God says, Actually, for the joy set before you, endure it, persevere it, keep going. And then what does it say? It's talking about a race. It's talking about there's a great crowd like an amphitheater cheering the runners on. And they're cheering them and they're running and they're running. And then it says, and then he sat down. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, which is significant in itself because whoever is at the right is the most important, is the son. But it's significant that he said he sat down. He sat down. When do you sit down? When you're finished. You don't sit down halfway through your 60 meter sprint. You sit down when you're finished. Often they just collapse on the floor when you watch him. But he sat down, he'd finished. Jesus is sat down, it is done. So that fear that haunts you, that shame that pushes you down, it is done, it is finished. Run and chase after him because there it is done and finished. What are you afraid of this morning? What are you ashamed of 
this morning because unless you will admit it, unless you will say this is the thing that I'm afraid of the most, this is the shame that I carry secretly hidden away that I daren't share with anyone, unless you bring it into the light today, then you can never begin that journey with Jesus to something else. And sin is heavy. And it breaks you. And it tells you that you're an orphan and that nobody loves you and that you're not welcome. But God says, be confident in who you are in me. God says, find peace from your fear in me. All we need to do, and it sounds so simple, is follow Jesus. Because he's already done it. He's already scorned the shame. He's already faced the fear. He's already done it. So he's blazed a path in front of us. It's not like we've got to work away there. He's already done it. He says, just this way. It, it's just this way. It's just this way. This way. Come through. It's just easy. But we make it so complicated. We get so caught up in the fear. We get so caught up in the shame. And Jesus is just there. Like those people in the old cinemas when they had the flashlights going, there's seats this way. And you can see the little light and it all seems dark around. But when people went to those cinemas, they knew that those ushers were taking them to a seat. And yet we get so caught up in the fear and so caught up in everything else and looking at all this instead of looking at the light that wants to guide us to our seats so that we can actually sit down too. Because it is finished. And fear, you no longer hold me. And shame, you no longer push me down. Because it is finished. So if we choose to allow God to take us on that journey, then the darkness and the things that surround us won't take our attention because our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And if Jesus is the light of the world, then let him light you through the darkness. Let him light you through the difficulties. Let him shine the way for you to go. Just following Jesus. It's just following Jesus. This is dead simple, isn't it? It's like dead simple, but it's like, oh, oh right. Oh, I'll just follow Jesus then. Oh, I'm struggling with this. It's had a hold on me for years. Oh, I'll just follow Jesus then. This thing's battered me and bruised me and crushed me, and I've never stepped out into what God's calling me to do. Oh, I'll just follow Jesus then. And he can bring you through. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say that your struggles and your difficulties are nothing. What I'm trying to say is the answer to them is simple. And we make it so complicated. The answer to it is, I'll just follow Jesus then. I'll just follow Jesus then because he's already done it. He's already paved the way. He's already broken it. He's already secured it. I'll just follow Jesus then. And he isn't running around and flapping about your debt and about your shame and about your fear. He's just sitting down because it is done. It is done. It is finished. And all he's asking us to do is just follow him then. And yes, it's tough. And yes, it can be difficult. And yes, we can get lost in it all. Don't get me wrong. 
it can be hard. And we've got to keep going and keep persevering. It says keep persevering. Keep going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because otherwise we get lost in the fog, in the murk, in the haze. But if we keep following, the other side is confidence and peace. The last one is this. This one's my favorite. Following Jesus out of the grave into resurrection life. Now, obviously none of you are quite literally in a grave this morning. But you know the grave doesn't just come at the end of life. The grave will come to us no matter where we are. And it will try and bury us and push us down and squeeze the life out of us and say that there is nothing else in you to give. Just hold up yourself and just give up. And just forget it. And just stop trying to live. And just, that's the end, just forget about it. And that's what the grave tries to come and do to you and me on a daily basis. To say that just, just forget it. Just forget about it all. What is your grave? Is it your past? Is it your future? Is it a relationship? Is it your finances? Is it your health? Is it the failures? Our grave can be many things, but it can squeeze the life out of us and squash us until we feel like we might as well be dead because there is nothing in us. There is no joy. There is no life and nothing to be had. And yet Jesus said, I have come to bring you life and life in all its abundance. But the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is an enemy out there who wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to destroy your life and make it a load of rubbish. And you know when sometimes it happens and sometimes things go wrong and things fall apart and things are really, really tough. But there is someone in and through that tough stuff that wants to bring resurrection life out of it. I'm not saying that tough stuff doesn't come. I'm not saying we don't have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death at times in our lives. But there is one who wants to join us on that journey and say, follow me through the valley. Follow me through where you are. Follow me because when you do, there's resurrection life to come. Churchill said this. And to be fair, this quote's allotted to a lot of people. But I like church and else so he can have it. If you're going through hell, keep going. Because when you stop, you stop following Jesus. When things get tough and things get difficult, when it feels like hell on earth to you, and other people might go, what's up with you? Sort yourself out. But for you, it feels like hell on earth. Then Jesus says, follow me. Through the valley of the shadow of death, follow me. Follow me. Keep coming. Keep coming. Because from that grave, there's resurrection life on the other side of it. From that place of hell, there's life to come. There's a song on the new Bethel Victory album. And it says this in it. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. And it just makes me want to just go, I'm coming then. I'm not going to allow what's going on 
to hold me down and push me down and squeeze the life out of me. But instead, instead, I'm going to follow Jesus out. I'm going to walk through. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking. It feels like I'm on it. It feels like I'm being crushed in this grave, but I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking because that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't stay in that grave. He kept going and he came out and he rose victorious. And we have the privilege of being able to live in the resurrection power and the victory that he had. But so often we find ourselves just sitting and thinking, where's Jesus in all of this? Jesus is walking. Jesus is walking. So keep walking. When hell comes, keep walking. When the grave tries to squash you, keep walking. Keep following Jesus. You know, we can live a half-life. We can live a muted life. But when we meet him, when we follow him, when we allow him to take us on that journey, then everything changes from grave to resurrection life. I just want to read to you from an account in John. And it's the story of one of Jesus' friends, Lazarus. And he had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was ill. And Jesus waited a couple of days before he went. He was ministering to some people. And eventually he went and he heard that Lazarus had died. And when he got there, Jewish culture, it was, it was you know, people would gather. They were like professional mourners. They were good at it. They would go and weep and wail. It, there would have been a scene of crying and wailing for days. And in John 11, verse 38 to 44, it carries on that journey. It says, Jesus, still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Sometimes, don't we just worry about the practicalities of what God's going to do? All she bothered about, it's going to stink. If, if we raise him from the dead, Lord, it's going to stink. We're so caught up in the practicalities of change that we don't actually allow God to come and breathe new life into us and resurrect the new from the old. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. What's been burying you in your grave? What has been burying you in your grave? What's been pushing you and holding you down and keeping you stuck in that place? And sometimes there is a practical process that has to happen. We need some support. Maybe we need to go and get some counseling. Maybe we need some prayer. Maybe we just need someone to journey with us and encourage us. 
just like Lazarus needed help taking those grave clothes off, just like he needed help in the first place, moving the stone out of the way. Those things sometimes need to happen. And they're not a bad thing, they're part of the process. Joyce Meyer says this, Jesus didn't give his life on the cross just so we could barely get by and struggle through life until we get to heaven. Jesus came to bring life in all of its abundance. And this morning, I want to say to you, what was the first thing that Jesus did? He called out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And this morning, I believe that there's a shout in the air that calls your name and says, come out. Come out from where you are. Come out from the things that have bound you. Come out from the grave that has held you. Come out from those places. God's calling you this morning. There's a shout. There's a shout to come out from where you are into the abundant life and victory that God gives us. And that may be for you taking that first step on that journey and saying, I want to, I want to allow God into my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to have help getting from those places. I understand and appreciate it's never always going to be easy. But actually with God, there is victory. There is a process that I can go from debt to abundance, that I can go from fear and shame to confidence and peace, that I can go from the grave and the things that have held me into the abundant life that God promises. There's a shout this morning that calls you out, that says, come out from where you are. Jesus is calling you. And there are people who want to help. There are people who can help practically. If you need grave clothes removing, if you need cave doors opening. But this morning, first and foremost, God is calling you. Come out. Come out this morning.